Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Red, White and Blue Jays, the British podcast looking at all things Toronto Blue Jays related. Before I get into introducing today's guest, I just wanted to update you on a couple of bit of news items. Uh, Ed Johnson, who's one of our followers, uh, he's written to me and let me know about an event that he's hosting in downtown Toronto on March the 11th. It's called the Toronto Baseball Hack Day. It's an on-site, in-person event, uh, also known as a hack fest, code fest or code party. And I guess if you guys are in that world, you'll understand what that, that means. But it's basically where baseball fans can come together and create a baseball-related project to compete in a fun and friendly one-day competition. If you are interested in... Uh, being involved in that uh, then have a look up Ed Johnson uh, if you can't find him on Twitter I just if I could find his uh, uh, Twitter handle for you that would probably be the best thing yeah so it is at at E-A-J-E that's Ed Johnson's uh, handle at E-A-J-E if you drop him a message uh, let him know that you'd like to be involved and I'm sure he'll sort you out from there so that sounds uh, like a lot of fun Uh, The second thing I wanted to let you know about is that we're doing our first Red, White and Blue Jays live session this coming Monday. Uh, So just a couple of days into spring training. Uh, So we're going to be back with all our regulars uh, from last season. So looking forward to catching up with those guys. Uh, If you are based in the UK, we will be online uh, on YouTube at 9pm and in uh, Eastern time zone. Uh, at 4pm. So if you are able to join us, it'd be great to have you with us. Well, today I'm looking forward to catching up with somebody who needs no introduction. Uh, it's such a privilege to be able to talk to MLB insider for Sportsnet, Shai Davidi. I spoke to him last year just as spring training was about to kick off, so I felt it was a good time to get hold of him again. And uh, he's graciously managed to carve out a little bit of time before the mayhem of spring training starting tomorrow. So Hopefully, uh, we'll get some great insight to uh, what's happening in the Blue Jays camp down in Dunedin as we chat to Shai Davidi. You're listening to Red, White and Blue Jays, the podcast of Blue Jays Fans UK. Hi, guys. Welcome to Red, White and Blue Jays. Great to have you on board and a very warm, very early morning start to MLB Insider for Sportsnet, Shai Davidi. Great to have you back on the the pod, Shai. Thanks so much for spending a bit of time with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Firstly, uh, it's looking a little bit cloudy down there. I was expecting blue skies and sunshine and everything else, but you look a little bit overcast this morning. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think just the the sun has to burn through a little bit of the morning humidity. It'll probably be sunny uh, a little bit. Every day's been really nice uh, down here. Uh, I'm trying not to gloat too much because it's not so great <laughs> back home in Toronto right now. So I've been trying not to be the guy who like like oh it's so hot, it's so sunny. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a nice little mist on the on the field and the grass. It's kind of a kind of pretty, but it'll probably be pretty steamy and humid here before long. 
Yeah, no. I mean, well, last year when we spoke to you, which was about this time last year, uh, we, we were just exchanging in our emails that uh, you were sitting in a swimming pool. Well, not actually in a pool, but in a pool <laughs> complex <laughs> back in yes. Toronto. So so slightly better backdrop today. Yeah, absolutely. And I was uh, my son was in a in a swim meet and uh, I'm actually going to miss uh, miss a pretty important meet from one of my kids this weekend. Oh. But as part of the job that so, uh, yeah this is a, a pretty good backdrop much nicer than a, than a pool with a bunch of kids splashing around <laughs> yeah absolutely now obviously down in Dunedin spring training kicks off tomorrow uh what's what's the mood in the camp what what's the feeling down amongst the guys uh everybody looks good and healthy from what I can see from this side of the uh, the water but uh what's uh, what's the feeling around the camp yeah, no injuries so far. You know, Mitch White reported to camp with a bit of a, a shoulder impingement, and that slowed him. But he got back up on a mound uh, this week. Uh, this week for the first time, so he's building up. But uh, really, the mood is sort of what you'd expect. It's spring training. Everybody's happy to see one another. It's light. They're getting their work in. But there is, you know, a, a real sense of motivation from from the last two years and word maturity has been thrown around a fair bit and there's been a lot of talk about attention to detail and focus on the little things and making sure that the margins are being taken care of. And you see that reflected a little bit in the way that the team is attracting, attacking its drills, the energy uh, around that, uh, the, the way that players are talking to one another when a nice play is made or, you know, play isn't made uh, things of that nature. And then, of course, there's a lot of work going on to acclimate to the new rules, especially the pitch clock. And that's really been evident the, the past few days, as you're seeing the, the, the team get into live, uh, live batting practice sessions. And that's really given everybody a chance to understand what the impact is and all the theory and all the bits of practice that they've done to this point really put all that together. And so that's that's coming into action and then it's going to be tested out in the first uh, Grapefruit League game on Saturday, which uh, I think is more eagerly anticipated than usual because yeah. we're all curious to see how the acclimation goes. Yeah. I mean, it, they have, they've also been using it in the minor league games, haven't they, in terms of the, the new rules? And uh, do you think, I mean, I, I was always sort of thinking about this because a lot of the talk that I've heard, uh, you know, most of these changes really are, about improving the game from a fan perspective, you know, keeping the game ticking over and, and so on, seeing some perhaps some better defensive plays because the shift has been taken away. Uh, how do the players respond to that? Are they are they generally in favour of these sort of changes that, you know, if they've been playing the game a particular way for a long time and then these things come on, how, how does the player's mindset change with these sort of rule changes? Well, I mean... I, for, I'm not sure what the exact number is, but I saw it at some point, it seemed like about 50% or something in and around there of the player population had some experience with the rules coming up in the minor leagues. So for them, this is a bit more natural. Whereas for players who have been in the league for a long time and done things a certain way for a long time, it's a lot more foreign and a lot more challenging because they've got just more years of routine to undo there. In terms of what players think about it, opinions across the board. There's some who uh, really like it, really like the changes, particularly the pitch clock. There's some who are adamantly against it, think the game was fine the way it is. 
you've got some in the middle who are like, okay, but maybe you should have done it this way, or maybe you should have done it that way. And so in general, I think the understand there's a, an understanding and a recognition that in order to fit into the current entertainment uh, sports entertainment landscape, that you needed to tighten up games, you know, average game times of three plus hours with a lot of dead play in between, not, not ideal. The shift taking away some balls in play or the potential for balls in play, that's not ideal either. People want to see action. You think about the sports that uh, are tend to be popular with younger fans and you think about the NBA and, you know, how fast pace of action there. Uh, the NFL is a, a bit of a different beast. There's a lot of stops and starts there, but that's more of a, a cultural phenomenon that you, you can't have with 162 baseball games. And uh, the, the general understanding is, and there's a general feel like, okay, we need to adapt to what the environment is to, in order to help the game keep growing. But look, th- there's a good chance this is going to be a pretty big mess for a little bit of time. And we're going to yeah. see some players lose their cool. We're going to see some really weird stuff happen on the field. Yeah, There's probably going to be some pretty significant growing pains. And at some point, perhaps sure. some tweaks and adjustments in years to come. Yeah. And and the shift only applies to the infield. It doesn't play, apply to the outfield players, correct? Yeah. So you could, if uh, a team wants, you could do a two-man outfield and bring a, a, yeah. a fifth infielder in from, from the outfield. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure how many teams are going to do that. Uh, I'm sure the Tampa Bay Rays will do something weird <laughs> and we'll all be shaking our heads, but uh, it'll it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of uh, our starting rotation, uh, I was sort of thinking who could be most affected, and I suppose Kevin Gosman perhaps with some of the issues from last year, maybe a candidate in terms of just the whole pace of the pitch clock and stuff. Um, How, how do you think those guys are going to, respond particularly and, and it's not only them i guess in terms of catching you know it, it applies right the way through doesn't it it's just not the pitcher who's going to be affected by this but it's you know getting the the calls out and making sure everybody knows what they're doing yeah absolutely it, it's been pretty interesting i just uh in conversation with uh blue Jays pitching coach pete walker yesterday he was saying like look we're gonna try to turn this into an advantage right and uh you, you know chris bassett for instance is trying to find figure out ways where he can manipulate things whether it's you know being ready super early and then you know pitching as soon as uh, the batter comes set to 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 impact his comfort or just uh being ready and forcing the batter to be in attention at nine seconds and then holding the ball for another six seconds to 15 yeah. you know that's that's not comfortable for a hitter and so there are, there are a lot of different strategies. Kevin Gosman, you mentioned, is uh, going to be a particularly intriguing case. We'll see him pitch on Sunday, and that'll be uh, a pretty good leading indicator of where he's at. But uh, with men on base, because of the the way that he – a little bit of a rocking mechanism he has uh, when he starts his, his pitching motion, he's going to have to work in a complete stop in order to trigger the, the cessation of the pitch clock. And so that's been a bit of an adjustment, something that he's been working on in inside sessions and in bullpens. And again, we'll, we'll get a bit of a, a bit of test Sunday in terms of just what kind of comfort level he's building with that. Yeah, and and I I guess they're doing sort of some simulation practice in terms of what they're doing at the moment, getting used to having to pitch at that sort of pace. Yeah, absolutely. It's been 
uh, all of their work so far. And I'm sorry about the background noise. Right. It looks Don't like uh, they're going to start some workouts here, and uh, their, their music is just turned on here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every the, the clocks have been running at every one of their practice sessions. Uh, they really wanted to just build up everybody's reps with that uh, and ensure that they've got as much comfort level going into the games as they can before they actually start playing them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to get your thoughts on Yusei Kikuchi. He's kicking off tomorrow, starting tomorrow. So uh, how's he looking? Uh, the thought that he's still going to sort of take the number five spot in the rotation, that, that seems to be fairly well set in stone. Is that right? Well, at this point, it certainly seems that way, right? Because you know, Mitch White is a bit behind. He's going to be off to a bit of a slower start. Um, the, he's still got a chance to be ready in some sort of role for opening day, but is he going to be ready to go as a starting pitcher? That may be impacted. So it, it does seem like it's Yusei Kikuchi's spot to lose right now. And you know, from a... Uh, everyone's really excited by what they've seen so far. Now, you know, it's a lot of batting practice at, at the most. There's not, you want to be careful about taking too much from that. Sure. But he's, he's been in the zone. He's been locating his pitches better. The velocity's there. The breaking ball, the movement, swing and miss, all those ingredients are there. Can he apply it? Can he deliver that consistently on a, on a steady basis? So, yeah, that, that's going to be a real litmus test for the Blue Jays and a super important one because, look, if he's if he's a contributing piece in the fifth spot, spot in the rotation, and look, they don't need him to be to throw 200 innings with a three. You know, if he's able to steadily give them five innings and, you know, three to four runs here and there, the Blue Jays will sign up for that in a heartbeat, and that should be plenty with uh, the type of offense this team has. Yeah, yeah. Now, a few changes in terms of coaching staff uh, over the offseason. Obviously, initially, John Schneider given the three-year contract, uh, which was great to see. Uh, just just firstly on him, what do you think a full season of John being at the helm will make a difference in terms of this particular team? Yeah, you know, I don't think we can overstate just how difficult what he did last year was to jump in midstream, with no previous experience, take over a team that is expected to get to the postseason, dealing with some troubles internally because that's what leads to people getting fired and having to turn around all that atmosphere uh, and you know end up doing it and doing it quite successfully. You know that's that's not simple, and that could have gone in a lot of different directions for the mm -hmm. Blue Jays. And it's a credit to him and, and to the rest of the coaching staff and the players that they were able to get it done. So he's been able to implement this spring a lot of the expectations and the practices that he's going to want to see for the whole season. And it's not picking things up at uh, sort of in midstream or adjusting in midstream. It's like we're starting at this point. We're carrying that forward. Uh, that's been really helpful. And I think you're seeing a lot of the focus and attention to detail and the talk about that, the t constant talk about that is – something that's very important to him. That's partly his leadership, but that's also the rest of the coaches following his lead and making sure they're hitting it hard too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the arrival of Don Mattingly, that that's a good appointment that that's going to make a difference as well. Well, here's the thing. You want to have somebody on your coaching staff with a lot of been there, do that. I've uh, been there, done that. And 
he's got a pretty much as much as as anybody so, and he's he's also been a dude right like somebody who's carried a club and had to manage the expectations and he's gone through almost every experience you can either as a player or a coach or a manager and if you want to talk to you know you've got a lot of coaches in baseball in general these days who've got a lot of technical know-how but maybe not necessarily the experience of actually being there in the moment in the batter's box on the mound having to think through that spot and feel through that spot and Don Mattingly won't be able to tell people how they feel but he'll be able to tell them how he felt and what he thought and what he did to get himself through a situation or how to think through a big moment in a game and so that type of resource has been really important and you see the Blue Jays even augmenting that with uh, the hire of Victor Martinez as a special assistant to baseball operations, the rehiring of Paul Quantrill in the same role. Uh, they're bringing Pat Henkin and Edwin Encarnacion into camp, and they're going to talk to both of them and see if they maybe have larger roles that they want to take on with the organization. So it's just putting in a lot of experience and experience of people who – for the most part, I've been tied to this organization in some way, shape, or form. And that that's a tie-in, that's a resource that players can draw on in an informal, very casual way. Yeah. I would well, I certainly would have thought in terms of Edwin coming back, uh, you know, particularly for the younger fan who remembers, you know, the two fifth 2015-16 seasons and stuff, that that's gonna be a great appointment if that that comes through. That would be very exciting to see. Um, what, I mean, what did you think these players, do they, their, their approach to this is that they get a choice to come back to or, or, you know, the converse, I'm just wondering how those conversations start. Is, is it a case of the Jays going out to people that, you know, have played an important role? Um, or is it something that, you know, the player themselves is actually approaching ball clubs in terms of, can I help? Well, you know, both Pat Henkin and Paul Quantrill had those roles beforehand and they were, you know, pandemic cost casualties and so it's really important that both those guys have been brought back to the fold and in to different degrees with with Quantrill and Henkin what they had been doing is they just been around the organization just talking visiting different levels and just been around the team and talking to guys and sharing their experiences sharing what they see it's like hey I see your breaking balls doing this I used to do this or you know in that spot yesterday when you threw that pitch uh, you know, before you do that, maybe take a deep breath, circle around, call on, talk to your catcher, just little bits of knowledge like that. That's, that's a big part of it. And, uh, you know, with uh, now that with Henkin and Encarnacion, part of the conversation is going to be, Hey, how much do you guys want? Do you guys want to be working every day? Do you want to work half a month? Do you want to work a week a month? All those kind of conversations. What does this help you do? Like, we we can we think you can help this way. Do you want to do? What's your passion for? Those are the kind of conversations that they're going to have, uh, and make sure that there's some sort of alignment that you know fits the need, fits what the organization's teaching, and fits out the ultimate goals. Yeah, exciting to see. Uh, it'd be great to to see them on board. Back at home base, uh, of course, lots of renovations going on at Rogers Center. Uh, what's your thoughts in terms of? Our slightly quirky shaped field now. Well, it's going to be fun. I I love asymmetrical fields. I, I I don't like the cookie cutter type of outfield. Like it creates character and 
adds an element of intrigue into a game. So I've I, I long wanted that for Toronto. So it's nice that it's arriving. The one concern is that with the way that a couple of the power alleys got pushed in, you know, did it, did it get a little too small? Is it going to turn into a bit of a bandbox? And, you know, you want to see offense. You want balls that should be home runs to go. Like you think about certain parts like San Francisco or uh, old Seattle, the, the left field now in Baltimore since they moved the fence in. Balls that should be homers, you know, those should go. But you also don't want to see those cans of corn that go out there suddenly ending up over the fence and that's yeah. inflating numbers. And that's certainly the big criticism of Yankee stadium and the short porch and right field there that you're getting a lot of chintzy homers. And so that's the concern that it might play that way at the dome right now. They've certainly raised the, the wall heights. So maybe that'll help negate some of the impact. Certainly the club's modeling appears to indicate that. But nobody really knows for sure. And so and you can't do a lot of beta testing right now because it's still a massive construction zone there. They're going to be going probably right up to the opening of gates on uh, when, when the home opener begins to make sure everything's finished. So uh, it's it, it, that to me is really intriguing. I know the players here are thinking about it in different ways. Brandon Belt said, you know, when he signed, he didn't know the dimensions. And then he saw them come out. He's like, oh, that's good news. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you don't want to necessarily create an extreme attribute. And I think yeah. that's there's at least a possibility that that may have been inadvertently done. Yeah. And, and am I right in thinking that the 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 rear wall of ballpark is actually now at different heights, you know, where we've obviously had a consistent height the way through because of the bullpens and bits and pieces. So not not only is the shape changing, but height height of wall is changing as well. Yeah. So in dead center field, the height's going to be eight, uh, eight feet. So okay. Kevin Kiermaier is certainly going to have a chance to come track back and maybe yep. leap over and try to steal some home runs. But conversely, in the left field corner, it's going to be 14 feet, four inches. And that'll be four and uh, nearly four and a half feet taller than it was before. So it's not quite, say, Houston or the Green Monster, but it's going to add a, an interesting impact there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Pilar, if he was still with us, would be still being trying to climb up it and uh <laughs> and catch it but yeah. yeah it's gonna be gonna be great to see to see how it plays out and yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask you but you sort of hinted towards it that you know in terms of the construction there's no concerns that any games can be delayed i mean they've got to hit that opening day presumably yeah well i, I talked to uh i talked to one person uh who's overseeing it and uh i'm like so you're gonna get done and the person said, well, if uh, if it's not done, then I'm going to be at a, sitting on a beach somewhere because I will have been fired. So yeah. uh, I think there's a, there's a definite understanding where they got to get done. But it, it's a big construction company that's doing the project. They put up a lot of condo buildings and things of that nature. So they understand. And, you know, mm. the work is pretty close to around the clock there right now. Yeah, I can imagine. Now, opening day, who, who gets the uh, start? Interesting. So you always try, at least I always try to kind of look at how they're mapping out pitching. And so you just think about opening spring game, it's Kikuchi, who projects to be number five. And then he's followed by Kevin Gosman, and pretty good case for him to be number one. Obviously, Alec Manoa in the season he had, Cy Young Award finalist. 
there's uh you can make the case for him too and i expect it to be one of those two guys yeah. and you know the, the 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 obvious one two in the rotation and then you know, you mix in Chris Bassett or Jose Barrios behind them, followed by Kikuchi, and so that would seem to make sense to me. But you know, we're we haven't even started grapefruit league play yet, so uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conjecture that's going to be wrong or going to change over the next four weeks. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out over spring training, and of course, we've got the um, World Baseball Classic as well happening. How does a how does a major league team adapt to that when they're seeing some of their key players disappear? Well, uh, a lot of curling up in a ball and hoping your key players don't <laughs> get injured. Uh, and this is really uncomfortable for any exec or manager when you're sending off your best players and you don't have your hands on them, and all of a sudden they're playing games and you can make the case, well, if someone was going to get hurt in a WB, or someone gets hurt in a WC game, then they probably get hurt in a spring training game too, but you never really know. And so that there's an old adage, nothing good happens in spring training. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that there are a lot of executives who say to themselves, well, nothing good's happened sending your players to the WBC either. Yeah. Uh, that, that being said, you know, it does help some guys prepare and it does help springboard some players into bigger seasons, perhaps position players, especially. And you think about what it does for the game. It's, uh, it's really important for the sport. So, uh, you know, it's great that it's been expanded. More countries are going to get a taste of it, even if it's short, but it at least creates something of interest for people in mm. non-traditional baseball markets to engage with and to aspire to. So I've long been a proponent. I've covered every one. I'll be covering this one as well. I think it's a tremendous tournament. Uh, it's players really love participating in it once they're there. There's some challenges to it. It's uh, imperfect in many ways. It's flawed in many ways, but sometimes you can't let perfect be the enemy of good. And sure this is the best that you can do at this point. And it's, uh, and, and it's, it's got a lot of positives to it, even though executives are going to be like going through <laughs> their fingernails and yeah. probably having a lot of antacids with, uh, to deal with some of the concerns that they have. I think in any sport where there's this tension between a club and country, um, tension going on, we have it in our premier league football here where, you know, the guys go off to World Cups and they're like, and, and obviously, you know, Canada experienced that over the summer as well. Uh, so I, I, can I can imagine them doing so. And of course, for the first time, uh, obviously coming here from the UK, we've got Team GB in uh, World Baseball Classic in the same pool as Canada, as the US and Mexico and uh, Colombia. Uh, clearly they are rank outsiders, but in terms of the sort of impact it has on baseball here in the UK. I mean, what, what, what do you think that does for a country like ourselves, where it is such a minority sport to get actually a national side through to the finals? Well, you hope that people who would never have thought about it beforehand will suddenly hear about baseball and say, Oh, Oh, we've got a national team. And I, I, I believe that when a, a, people see a national team at an event, it sparks a little bit more interest than it would under normal circumstances. And well, let's see, let's see how our boys or, or, or girls do at this event, right? That it gives it a little, little bit more intrigue. So, you know, perhaps that extra bit of attention, a little bit of focus, 
it resonates with some people and get a handful of kids who watch it and be like, Hey, that's really cool. I'd like to do that. Or that seems like fun. And we do that here in, in this country. And that's the ultimate goal. And yeah. whether that happens or not, I don't know. Um, and certainly uh, it's going to be uh, fun to see different countries, but you know, like the Netherlands has had teams at the world baseball classic for a few years now. And, what Blue Jays have a prospect from the Netherlands, yeah. the Semeral Bears, and yeah. you know that's something that he'd like to do at some point in time. And you know the Blue Jays have a, a player from Panama, Leo Jimenez, and he wanted to play for the Panamanian team. It didn't happen. Yeah. They've got a guy in the lower system, Damiano Palmigiani, who had his choice to play for Italy and Canada. Was initially going to play for Italy, but now will represent Canada. And so, yeah, that. That's how the game ultimately grows. Hmm. And again, there, there are flaws to the tournament. It does have imperfections, but, you know, I mean, you would know this better than I, but I would think that this will get some attention, at least in, yep. in the British media. And whenever something gets attention, it's got a better chance of getting noticed and connecting with people. Yeah, totally. And I think with that and also with what MLB are doing in terms of the overseas games, you know, we've got the Cubs and Cardinals coming again, well, another game coming again to the UK uh, in June. Uh, so I think, you know, all the time it's just like they've done with the NFL, just trying to expose uh, a, a, an overseas sport to the UK audience, I think is a good thing. And, and certainly for, for those of us who love baseball, just as a game, uh, irrespective of what side we follow, the fact that we've got you know, live MLB action happening here in the UK is a massive thing. I, I just wish that the pricing was a bit more realistic. Uh, I think they've overpriced it, but uh, you know, that's just my thoughts. Um, Cause you know, you, you want to get people in the ground. That's the, the main thing. And and they did well last time with the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh, I think it's a slightly different audience now with the Cubs and the Cardinals, cause they're not so well known here generally. Uh, so uh, we'll see how, how that one plays out. But I think, you know, uh, Jaden Rudd, of course, uh, who's in the Blue Jays uh, system as well. He played for Team GB as part of the qualifiers and uh, actually got the all-important homer to to bring the guy, gate, the last game back to a tie before the GB went on to win it. So, uh, yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of connection between uh, our nation and, and the Jays as well. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Shai, I'm really conscious of your time and uh, how busy you are. I really appreciate so much for you, for you giving up uh, a little bit of your morning before you've got a busy day. What is, what is the last day uh, prior to spring training games look like for you today? Well, uh, for me, it'll, there's actually not that much happening. They're, they're <laughs> going to do some workouts, but there are no live, uh, no live VPs today, unfortunately. Uh, so it'll be quick workouts, quick conversations, uh, and then uh, the usual production of content so a few stories for sportsnet.ca and then uh, a little bit of television afterwards and and let's go to games so uh it's uh it's been almost two weeks since we've been here there's been a lot of watching drills uh yeah. i'm excited that we're finally at uh, at games at this point yeah well enjoy the rest of your time enjoy the world baseball classic and uh just a thanks to you to hazel and and the rest of the sportsnet team in terms of what content you bring not only to your canadian audience but also to people like us overseas really grateful for all that you do well we appreciate uh we appreciate it and it's it's pretty amazing kind of just how far and wide blue jays fandom reaches and, and every stadium we go to in the united states there are 
hundreds of Blue Jays fans in the stands attending games, sometimes thousands. And it's uh, knowing that it's international as well. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point the Blue Jays are over there for one of those London series games. Uh, I do know there's interest from the club and some recognition from MLB that this is a natural connection there uh, mm. with given the, 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 the history between Canada and Britain. So uh, I think that we'll probably see that at some point and uh, that'll be pretty fun. Hey, Will. Yeah, I'd love to have you over here. Uh, be great to to see you in person and to obviously get the guys here. Uh, they, they would be very well supported by the UK audience. There are a lot of Blue Jays fans on this side of the pond. So we shall look forward to that being announced one day. But for now, thanks ever so much for your time. Wish you well and uh, enjoy the season. Uh, we'll keep uh, a tabs on what you're doing and uh, all the content that you put out for us. So really grateful. We'll speak soon. Thanks for having me. Take care. Cheers. The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.